Welcome to Ear Full of Dirt, bringing you the latest Major League Rugby news, views, and abuse. Now here are your hosts, Aaron, Dan, and Victor. How's it going, everyone? And we're live. Tonight, we have Brian Ray filling in for Dan, who decided to take a vendor's tickets to the Mets game. Um, rest in peace. Uh, so... Then we've got a bunch of Seattle Seawolves news, the talking MLR in Vancouver coming up, USA selects down to Uruguay, not really digging deep, but just canvassing the makeup of the squad. Then we're going to go with Rugby Utah's answers to Bob, as well as more Rugby Utah news, uh, overall player signings, uh, NOLA GM Ryan Fitzpatrick's, uh, article that he was quoted in in Yahoo and a bunch more. But first, Brian, let's let's hear about you, man. You're you know this I would say a relatively prolific writer for America's Rugby News, which is probably the most like consolidated news source for this hemisphere when it comes to rugby. Well, it's probably the only one. So <laughs> I'm not sure who you're comparing us to. <laughs> so um yeah so how'd you get involved with them and uh then we'll talk a little bit of curry hitchborn uh well i i guess i started writing way way back in 1998 and actually my first uh i guess you would call published piece was on the really really old original rugby canada website um and i kind of kept doing some stuff along the way uh, the old Canadian rugby news was uh, was around for a few years. I did some stuff for them, some columns and articles and so on. Um, and then I kind of uh, drifted in and out. I was still playing at the time um, and coaching. So I kind of uh, left writing kind of intermittently for quite a few years. And then probably four years ago, I started up my own blog because I was calling it quits as a player. Decided I would get back into the writing thing. Um, and after a couple of years of that, it was, it was doing all right at, at the blog thing. By that, I mean, I was, I was blogging pretty frequently and traffic was all right. Um, and Paul Tate, who had his own blog, the Argentina 2023 blog, uh, he messaged me and, uh, and asked if we kind of wanted to join forces. And I'd kind of been thinking about something on the, along the same lines, coincidentally, at the same time. So it seemed like a great match. And then uh, Ted Hardy, he had his Rugby America blog. And we asked him if he went, wanted in on this, and uh, there we go. America's Rugby News is born, so we've been going for, oh, man, a little over two years now, two years and a couple months, I think. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's going all right. That's how I got in there. Yeah, I, nice. I definitely – I think I got in – I guess started following you guys probably about when you first started or at least around the first ARC is when I first started reading you guys. So, great yeah, stuff. It really blew up then. Great yeah. stuff. Keep up the good work. And uh, now – to let's talk curry hitchborn so <laughs> so there's that uh so curry i don't i don't want to misspeak on him i got basically this stuff from all the press that was done this week so curry and that glorious beard uh, are going south to seattle <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh you know being brought in by adrian balfour the ceo of the seattle seawolves and shane skinner 
the other managing partner and run rugby development. And based on the province's article, he'll remain working a little bit with uh, North Star Rugby Academy and UBC. And, but as far as building staff for an academy, I love this as it really establishes connections across the border. I wonder if we'll see Canadian players joining the Seawolves because of this, specifically Raymundo Barkwell. And uh, a small mention to Seattle will also be playing their home matches at Starfire Stadium in Tukwila, which is a pretty awesome facility. But what do you – you talked to Curry over the weekend. So um, what have you been hearing from him and about this new role? Well, yeah, it's interesting. The title is interesting. Uh, I think they call it uh, Director of Rugby Development or Rugby Development Director, something like that. Um, I spoke to him to kind of get a clear view of what he was doing. To clarify, he's not actually moving to Seattle. He's going to be working from his home in Vancouver. Okay. Um, so it, well, he's not actually going to be like a development director in the sense that he's running the academy as a okay. boots-on-the-ground coach. He's going to be staying with UBC. He's going to be staying with North Star Rugby. Um, what he's doing is he's actually developing the organization. So he's kind of like an interface between players, uh, coaches. So he's helping them right now with, I mean, he's got tons of connections throughout North America. Um, so he's talking to players and he's talking to coaches and he's kind of helping them with the infrastructure in pretty much any way they can. Uh, so it, it's a different sort of role. Uh, he, it's, it's kind of like he made up that title, title himself. <laughs> <laughs> what title he used. It's kind of like, um, so it's interesting. Uh, it's a great signing, great pickup for them. And uh, I mean, he's a really, I don't know if you guys, if you, should, you guys get him on this podcast when he's a really passionate guy, a uh, really interesting character. So uh, yeah, it, it's definitely really interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, he said that like, we were talking in, in the Twitter DM world as it were. He, I was like, I asked him if he wanted to come out for a line out. So we'll, we'll definitely look at um, getting him on the schedule to do a one on a interview specific pod hat podcast for him. So, but yeah, I was, I wasn't really sure. Thanks for the clarification on that. And yeah, Victor, what do you think about this? Okay. So first of all, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Earful of Dirt. I know we like jumping the gun with them, with the episode and with Santa Zero say hello, by the way, um, Brian, thank you for joining us, brother. Again, sorry for the jumping the gun. What do you mean? Say, Thank you for joining us. <laughs> so I must as well tell you now. Anyway, so going back to to this thing regarding Mr. Give me a second because I can Hitchburn because I was called I, I was calling Hutchinson for whatever reason. Hitchburn. That's how you pronounce his name. I don't know why. So first of all, so nice to see some Canadian representation on the Seattle team. Since, team, excuse me, since Washington State is like right there by British Columbia province. Although that caught me for a loop, the fact that he's actually not going down to live in Seattle. He's actually going to stay up there. Yeah. So I was not expecting that. So that's, that, oh, thank you. That, that, that's good to know. But, you know, but again, in, in my position of all places, we're going to have a Canadian, but hey, at least that's, that's what matters. Now, I'm really happy for Curry. Obviously, he's hiring, and I hope to see great things on the Seawolves with his new position. So, of course, my fingers. I'll be surprised if I don't see Canadian internationals on that team, by the way. Like, really surprised. And we'll talk about Canadian internationals, actually, later in the episode. Now, what I really want to see is the reunion of, like you said, Aaron, I don't know what you're calling Raimundo, but Raymond Barkwell and Olive Khalifi from Sacramento Express on the front row 
of Seattle. So again, hey, really his, Facebook, his Facebook page says Raimondo Barkwell. Does it? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Thank you. No, you're welcome. <laughs> He's got a few nicknames. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was just Ray or, Ray, or Raymond. But uh, we'll, we'll see with Ray. I mean, if we look back at, uh, at pro rugby, of course, we had five Canadians in pro rugby. Um, and there were five teams in pro rugby. So with eight teams in, in Major League Rugby, or so we think anyways, uh, you know, chances are we'll be seeing a few Canadians. We just got news a short few moments ago, I guess a couple hours ago of the first one. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I know Ray's pretty frustrated up with, with uh, Castaway Wanderers and the uh, BC Rugby Union with the uh, the restrictions on the number of carded players uh, that can play for each club in that league. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was shopping himself around. He's a veteran, and uh, he'd be a great player for uh, for a team in pro rugby to pick up. Mm. In major league rugby, rather. So, Brian, I'm curious. Um, I know the article that we saw down here about um, Curry's uh, signing said that also went on to say that there is some opportunities for uh, a Canadian side uh, possibly as soon as 2019. So what have you been hearing about uh, MLR expansion into uh, Canada? Right. So, I mean, it it shouldn't be a secret. Um, We've seen the Ontario arrows pop up already uh, and it's not really a secret what their intentions are. Um, they've already had a game which kind of came out of out of the blue, and, um, if we can use that pun, uh, against Glendale a short while ago. And uh, they're going to have some more games in 20, 2018. Um, and they're moving towards a, a, a being professional, fully professional side. Whether that happens in 2019 or, or later uh, remains to be seen. It's all about really the money, obviously, and then making that a sustainable organization. Um, but certainly they're making moves in that direction. Um, obviously, Vancouver is a hotbed of rugby in Canada. Um, and again, they've made no secret of, of their desire. And now it's kind of come out. It's it's North Star Rugby that's uh, that's driving this, which is Curry Hitchborn is the uh, director of rugby there. And Carl Harrison is the CEO um, and they have every intention of bringing a team to Vancouver, which is really exciting. How far along uh, the way it is, uh, they're being a bit coy with us. We're not entirely sure how far they are yet, um, but as I understand, there is a strategic plan in place, uh, and they're aiming for 2019 to have uh, full inclusion. But, you know, there's a lot of work to be done on the ground. Um, obviously, with Curry now working with, uh, with the Seawolves, I mean, that gives them a, an immediate inside look into how the, the whole structure is going to work. So that's a good thing. But, you know, d- does he immediately switch to the Vancouver franchise if it goes through? Um, you know, there's all kinds of questions like that. Um, but, yeah, it certainly looks like that is going to happen. I wouldn't bet against it anyways. Um, and it's it's really exciting time for, for Canadian rugby. I mean, obviously – the uh, the outcry was pretty large from the Canadian rugby community when the whole pro rugby thing fell through. And this is before, uh, I should point out, this is before we really knew about the, um, you know, we'd heard rumblings about the off-field stuff, but it was before we, we knew the full extent. So when it first came to light that they weren't going to join pro rugby, you know, we were 
uh, we're pretty upset because, I mean, we're all desperate. We're like everybody else. The rugby community up here is all desperate for a professional rugby team to follow me. And we can look at the success of the uh, the Wolfpack, the rugby league team. Um, and, and people want to watch it, right? So uh, to hear that in all likelihood we're going to have two teams in 2019 now, whether they're, again, whether they're fully professional, whether they're actually full members of Major League Rugby remains to be seen. But just to have that promise that it, it's on the way, things, uh, the pieces are moving in that direction uh, is really, really promising. Yeah. I mean, so in the same article that talked about in the province that talked about Curry Hitchborn, uh, you know, I would call him rumblings, but Carl Harrison, basically, rather than rumor, I mean, he's quoted saying, hey, you know, from North Star talking about specific things, specific investments that they've made. And, you know, I like I said, for me, it would be great that it was in 2019, but I, I sort of see how what on the Ontario Arrows are doing. And I like the whole proof of concept. Let's, you know, do fundamental like funding tests, basically. So can we get a side to five different cities on a plane, visas and everything to play, you know, you know, just clubs in in the United States. And so far we saw the first successful match uh, for the arrows against the Glendale Merlins. I say it's a success, just getting everyone there and then getting back. Like that's what like we're cross border competition. It's not like it's, you know, the Saracens playing castaway next week, which is just a normal thing. This is getting everybody on the plane five times, you know, this year. And then, you know, in BC rugby news, it seems more like a newsletter based on how it's set up. They talked about, hey, we have information we're not going to share about this. And I'm like, don't tase me, bro. That hurts. <laughs> well, you know, with, with uh, Mark Bryant is the editor, editor there, and he's been around for uh, a while. He's actually the guy who made the first Rugby Canada website and first published my first piece. Um, so uh, Mark's an interesting character, and he's got lots of connections as well up there. So, I mean – I, I'm not really sure what he's referring to. There could be a lot of different things uh, that he's getting excited about. Um, he's uh, often at odds with with Rugby Canada, so you know it could be that there's something in there that um, that he's pleased is going to annoy them or something. I, I I honestly I don't know because there could be it could be really anything. So it doesn't necessarily have to be something about the Sea Wolves in particular. It could be something else. But uh, yeah, it does. It does get a little infuriating seeing stuff like that. I suppose I do something like that every now and then too, though. And I try <laughs> oh, yeah, not. To, yeah. I try when not. When you broke, uh, you know, after Grant Cole's like random weird Facebook post, when you just put Major League Rugby on Twitter, it's like, what the heck is this? Well, come on. <laughs> that had been rumored for a while. <laughs> I guess you guys just hadn't heard yet. <laughs> well, you know, some people keep things a little quiet down here, you know. Well, I, you know, you can't just throw stuff out. You have to, have, you know, you have to have sources. You have to have actual information. You just can't throw out rumors, especially, you know, uh, as much as we're not trained journalists, we do try to keep some journalistic integrity. And I'd like to think that uh, our site has gained the following and kind of the respect is built by being accurate, by putting out you know, stuff that's actually happening, the stuff that's, uh, you know, factual. Yeah. Uh, I, off the top of my head, I, I can't think of anything we've run that has been complete nonsense. You know, there's a couple of little things that we got small little details wrong, but 
yeah. I think for the most part, what we write is is factually correct, and that's important. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's what we had that conversation when we came together. It was like, well, we're sort of we sort of have to get out of the innuendo business. Make sure we have multiple sources, or it's like a sure thing, and for the podcast because you know we were basically on this Reddit page crowdsourcing news, and it's like, hey, we're now going to become relatively formal media. So that that's still in, you know, air quotes, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do have to say, though, you know, you, you tweeted about MLR, uh, you know, right. Just as as like the news was breaking in moments before it broke and everything. And I think it may have literally been your tweet that uh, made me decide to go ahead and grab that page on uh, Reddit there and uh, start up the the subreddit. So thank you oh, cool. for for uh, getting ahead of that one and uh, helping me get ahead of it and uh, get that thing started. Well, which... yeah, as, as as far as I'm aware, it was actually Grant. Like we had the the release and obviously we knew about it, but we we were kind of delaying putting out the story. But as as far as I can remember, it was Grant who actually posted that initial release of the teams and it was only for like a few minutes and then he took it offline he was rewriting it or something but once it was out it didn't make any sense for us to hold on to it anymore because you know eventually it's going to come out anyway so that's when they, we decided to to run with the the whole story um and even then it took a while for a lot of other people to to kind of get on the bandwagon but uh i'm happy to say <laughs> things have come <laughs> along the way they were supposed to so far so victor what do you know my friend I, see, I feel that things are moving so fast in this new league, guys, that I would not be surprised of seeing four teams joining in year two. So, again, that would be like a super expansion for, for such a new league, just getting four teams all of a sudden. Now, I really want to see Canadian teams by 2019, if possible, obviously, but if they had to slow it down for 2020, I mean, I'm all for it. As long as it's the best transition possible into MLR and hopefully have some Canadian internationals from Europe and Oceania back in the mix. Because, I mean, as much as I love having uh, Tyler Ardren in the Chiefs, I'd rather see him back here in North America. But, of course, I do want him to play in the best team possible and the Chiefs right now are that. But, of course, I want to see DTH back here in North America I want to see my dude Taylor Paris back into in the mix North America too. Again, all these guys, Jeff Jeff Hassler too. I mean, just came back from injury. I mean, take that that guy off the Ospreys, bring him back to North America too. So if you could bring these guys in by 2019, 2020 into a Canadian side, that'll be beautiful. Well, I I, I highly doubt we'll be seeing Tyler Ardron anytime soon. He's down in Super Rugby. It's a bit of a step up. Um, of course. But uh, I, I can tell you that uh, Curry did say he's been speaking to players all over the world, so I don't know where exactly that means, but that's that's a bit of a tease. Um, hopefully he does. I think there's a lot of talent, certainly throughout the Americas. I, I mean, to be honest, I'd like to see I, – I, we, we haven't really got a concrete uh, number or, or even description of how they're defining um, import players. So, I mean, I don't even know if a Canadian player is going to be considered – uh, under there, uh, we've heard rumors it's five players. Um, I don't know if Canadian players are going to be considered overseas players. We don't know that. Uh, I'd like to see them have an exemption of some kind or maybe another limit um, on America's players. And I would bracket that for kind of all the Americas because I think there is 
hordes of talents in Argentina. There's talent in Chile. There's talent in Uruguay. There's talent in Central America. I mean, there's guys all over uh, the two continents here. And uh, I, I don't see why they can't bring them in. And, and these guys are screaming to play professional rugby. I mean, long-term vision, wouldn't it be amazing if, 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 if Major League Rugby evolves as it's heading and becomes a truly North American competition, wouldn't it be amazing to have kind of Major League Rugby up in the north and some other similar entity down in South America having the best of their players and then having a, a great America's kind of final and America's World Series of Rugby or something crazy like that? Um, I think it'd be awesome. And I think uh, I think the potential is there. I think obviously it's a, a few years down the road, but if we can look at the explosion of rugby in a place like Mexico, there's huge talent coming through there. Um, you know, and, and there's talent scattered all through the Caribbean. I mean, obviously you're not going to, I would like to point out, team, but. I would like to point out that all of the talent from on Mexico's like current U19 team is from El Paso on the North side of the border. Okay. There's like, there's like four dudes on the U19 team that live in El Paso. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's just uh, the potential is there. I mean, Brazil, once it catches on, there is another place where it's going to be huge. And it's already on the rise. They've got three academy programs working down there. Uruguay's, Uruguay's got 80 elite players now training right now at the Estadio Charua in uh, Montevideo. So uh, there's talent there. There's talent on the way. It's it's, it's rising rapidly in, in, in the Americas. And, uh, yeah, it's just really promising. Really, we're, we're seeing the birth of professional rugby in the Americas right now. Um, with Major League Rugby, and it's it's really, really exciting. I agree with you completely, Brian, because I was telling the guys a couple, couple actually a couple of podcasts ago that I really wanted MLR to be like the Major League Baseball of rugby for, for players in the Americas, because as someone from the Caribbean, since you were mentioning my region, I'm from, originally from the Dominican Republic, I know a couple of the guys in the Dominican national team that could definitely make it on an MLR side. Um, and as you probably know, because uh, since you're in ARN, and I, by the way, I almost live in that website. Let me tell you, like every day I go to that website. So definitely kudos uh, to Ted, yourself, and of course, uh, I, I guess his name is pronounced Paul, because he's Brazilian. I don't think it's Paul. No, he's actually from New Zealand. Oh. Oh really? Because yeah. he lives when I, in Brazil, but he's from oh, New Zealand. Oh really? Oh, I mean, <laughs> so, so it's just Paul. <laughs> he sounds Brazilian now. I mean, he has that accent because I have heard him talk before. Right? Okay, well, I guess Paul. Um, so yeah, you guys do a great job. So yeah, so I'm gonna tell him. Um, that one. Well, there we go. <laughs> so as you know, um, my country's team. Uh, went out like like first time internationally to play um the play tricks like Caicos, Bahamas and Bermuda. I mean they got slaughtered. But again, promising talent in that Dominican team that we could definitely put in MLR in the future. Well that's good to hear. I can't say I've ever seen the Dominican Republic play, but uh we'll put it on my list of things to do. <laughs> Thank you. All right, guys. Well, I think we're going to take a quick detour off of uh, Canadian rumors for just a minute. Uh, but just a quick shout out again to uh, Brian Ray. He's joining us today. He's from America, americasrugbynews.com. You can find his writing there. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Ray's Rugby. So be sure to give uh, Brian a follow and track with his his updates. We really appreciate him being here. So Brian, uh, if you don't mind sticking around, I think we're going to talk some Kansas City news. Uh, luckily, I've got some coffee and I'm eager to hear the news. So let's go, guys. 
Um, Kansas City has paid all their bonds, but they've chosen to defer to the 2019 season. Wow. Um, Grant Cole from This Is Texas Rugby was interviewing one of the strikers' owners and one of the coaches, and they're on tape. He plans to have this video out, I think, tomorrow, may, I, probably before he does This Is Texas Rugby Live. And, you know, I'm a bit surprised here as they were a Super League team back in the day, and they have a pretty large program. I'm guessing they just weren't ready when it comes to physical facilities. I'm not not sure. Uh, still a bit disappointing, and I guess it makes the most sense because, what was it? I guess the 15 August was like the line of demarcation for what we thought was going to be a press conference, but that's when everyone else's social media, if they weren't active, started getting very active. So what do you got? And Kansas did not. So yeah. Exactly. Um, if you guys don't mind, I need to take a minute and just bellyache about this because since the launch or the original announcement of the league, you know, being down here in Iowa, I've gone from having um, initially two and then three and now no teams within driving distance of me. Uh, we get a little spoiled here because um, most of the major cities in the Midwest are uh, four or five hours drive from us. And so I was really looking forward to catching out some Chicago matches, some Kansas City matches, and later on going up and seeing some Minneapolis matches. And I got nothing. I got nothing. I can drive 10 hours, uh, 12 hours over to Denver if I want sometime, but... Otherwise, man, this stinks. So uh, that's what I got to say. Sorry. If, I, if I can make you feel a little bit better there, Corey, uh, you won't be seeing any in Major League Rugby next year, but you might have some kind of rugby, elite level rugby in that uh, part of the world next year after all. I can't, uh, I'm going to have to be a tease this time, but uh, hold your breath for the next three weeks, couple, two or three weeks, and maybe you might get some, some fun news for you on that, on that count. Hey, I would love it. Although it's not on Kansas city. I, I, I generally did not know about Kansas playing, city. Playing, right ger playing so, Germany and Chicago. Are we? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> so I, that's a, that's a real disappointment to hear about Kansas city. So, I mean, so does this mean they're down to seven teams then? Yes. We're now oh, at wow. seven. That's yeah. That's disappointing. Yeah. So um, it's more than it's more than pro, but uh, it's been rough because I've been remember there was a rumor of a tenth team. And now we're and now we're seven. at seven. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, uh, you know, does this open the opportunity for Dallas to shape up and jump in at the last minute to save the day? So it seems like from what we're hearing that Dallas is still interested in the team. Obviously. They have not, from what we have heard, paid their bonds. So as of right now, they are not in 2018. Everyone I've asked says they are not in so, for 2018. However, yeah. they still Every, seem uh, they still seem very driven towards it at some point. Every conversation I've had says they're out. But then there was like, hey, we have another bond due date coming up. If they can, sh <laughs> if they can crap out like three quarters of a mil, <laughs> you know. So yeah, I mean, they, they they're obviously still uh, they still got Mike Ford. Yeah, he's. I mean, uh, it's in our interesting. He's just in, kind of, 
It's in our it's in our abuse section, but we might as well cover it now. Uh, Mike Ford was in a strategic planning meeting with uh, UNT, and that was like the only social media, uh, I guess, exercise by the Griffins after being silent for like being silent since they signed John Mills, really. So I'm sort of wondering where what that's going to be, and so what what is Mike Ford bringing to the table? Will we see uh, him bringing having financial backers or has he brought financial backers to, I guess, gain full control of the Griffins and, you know? Well, it's interesting. I've kind of heard different stories on that. Maybe you should, I should try talking to other people, but uh, some people suggested that money was an issue with, with the Griffins. Otherwise other people said money wasn't the issue and it's actually just a matter of, uh, not having the logistics and all their infrastructure in in uh, in good enough shape to move ahead right now. So I, I mean, just, either way, it it just seems like it's it's not happening for 2018. But who knows? I just know if you talk to a lot of people in Dallas, Phil Cam has burned about it every bridge because we'll we'll get into that a little bit later in the pod covering Darren Morris. But uh, burned about every bridge there is in Dallas and burned a few back on the island. So. I mean, not to, I mean, not to air out somebody's dirty laundry, but if you go in, if you, it's not, it's not a secret if you talk to anyone in Dallas in the Dallas rugby scene. So I don't know. Well, I'm not that in tune with the Dallas rugby scene. I do know there's lots of people who uh, there seem to be some heated rivalries down there. So some of those opinions I don't I kind of take with a grain of salt. However, you know, uh, the, the proof is in the pudding, I guess. And as of right now. We don't have a Dallas team. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at. Uh, also where we're at is we've got a hold of the roster for the uh, selects this uh, this week, or I guess late last week that came out. And it's looking pretty stocked with uh, some future MLR-ers there. What are you hearing on that, Aaron? So with, uh, I guess, Patty Ryan now being replaced by John Hayden, that – gives us 13 cap players on the 27 man squad rather than 14. Um, and Brian and I got into a bit of a discussion because he's like, I don't know who you're counting. And the reason why I had 13 originally was uh, USAR misspelled Philicatonga's last name. They only had one L. And if you go on to the, the list, the master list of caps I have, there's two L's. So uh, he actually only has one L. You, uh, really? The master cap list. Were you looking at the uh, uh, the ESPN list? Yes. There are frequent mistakes on ESPN. So, you really have to know what you're looking for. Well, I mean, they also spelled they all USAR also spelled Ben Sima's last name Dima. So yeah, yeah. I expected uh, you know them to be wrong and not ESPN. But I'm surprised so, you didn't know that uh, Feliki Tonga was capped off the top of your head. Do you not remember seeing him playing in the America's Rugby Championship? You know, some, <laughs> just to rub it in. So, yeah, that, of course. Like I should have known. I, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm doing control F and, you know, it doesn't come up and just feel like an idiot, but it is what it is. Uh, so I guess we don't have an Aviva player in the, uh, in the squad since Patty Ryan has now been replaced by John Hayden. Um, we have a super rugby, I get super Academy player, Ruben de Haas. Uh, he's coming back from the Cheetahs Academy to play scrum half for this squad. 
And then we've got uh, 12 MLR players on the 27-man travel squad. Five MLR players on the home. I think, no, I think, I'm not sure. No, in my notes, John Hayden is not a future MLR player yet because he's like, what, 21? And then he's, uh, that. he's 24. Oh, then he might be 25, actually. Then he might be an MLR player. But also, so the PRP is reorganizing and they have four players on the travel squad and three on the home reserve. So that definitely gives you like a strong sense of the quality of the team. Um, and then looking at the staff, it's pretty strong, to be honest. Scott Lawrence will be coaching the side. Uh, with J.D. Stevenson, who was the USU 20 coach. He works for, in talent ID for USAR. And then you have Scott Murray. He's uh, the forwards coach of Santa Monica Rugby. And he's a, he also fo- coaches forwards for UCLA. He's a former Scotland lock, had 87 appearances, and then current Lindenwood assistant James Harrison. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> By the way, um, just quick correction, Aaron. Um, she does. It's not Super Rugby anymore. Pro fourteen. Yeah, though. I was. You're right. Pro fourteen. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, it just happened so quickly. Like seriously, I don't blame you for that. Yeah. So, <laughs> South African Academy yeah. says a lot. Yeah, exactly. That's right. But going back to names that I know off of that list, which by the way, check out the USA Rugby website if you haven't seen the list. Um, this thing is looking good, guys. Definitely, definitely a contender. But that's a question. Are they contenders? Now, that is a question, and the answer always is going to be answered uh, once they get down to Montevideo for a few weeks. Now, you got obviously a couple of players like Ben Sima and Bryce Campbell, who are still young, obviously. But My girlfriend I says Bryce Campbell's ass is like perfecto. So. Like, no, no joke. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> I was not even thinking of that, but hey, hey good for him. Now, Again, he's just still, in. <laughs> I was going to say. Now, he's still young alongside Ben. But I don't know if they have to be in the selects after playing with like with the Eagles, like the like the senior side. But yeah. I guess I want to develop it a little more. But I think they already proved their medal. But eh, we'll see. I, now, I think, I, if I could just inter- interrupt you for a second, Victor. I think you guys are getting a little uh, tied into this whole selects thing a bit much. I, I think you really have to look at this in – Certainly, uh, from a Canadian perspective, looking at the number of, of high-profile elite-level games that are available to Canadian and and uh, uh, USA players, uh, they're not a lot. You don't get a lot of time. Yeah, so if cause... you've got a guy, a fringe guy, even a guy like Ben Seam who's playing in the uh, the ARC, you know, he's not really a first-choice Eagles guy. So for him to come in, uh, he's he's going to be a first-choice. He's going to play probably every game at at 10 or it'll pray like two at 10 and one at 15, something like that. This is really valuable game time for him to get. I mean, he's still, what is he? 20, 21. 20. Is he, is he not even 21 yet? Um, So, I mean, this is great, great exposure for him. And to get that game time is really invaluable for that program. So a lot of these guys, uh, you look at them and you'll say, you know, take a Ben Landry, the same thing. He's been out for so long. He's just come back to rugby. Uh, you know, they just got to get more game time in an international setting. Matt Jensen, the same thing. Um, so it, it's not a matter of have they made it or not. It's it, Bryce Campbell. I mean, he's he's arguably first choice depending on who your selector is. Um, you know, it, it's just a matter of getting these guys more time uh, that's that's at a higher level than the club that they're playing at right now. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely see that perspective considering that, you know, um, things being what it is, we've only got two tests. And I've, I've confirmed this like three times. USAR does, is not planning on hosting a match. They're, we're playing Georgia and Germany overseas, and that's it. And then we're coming back for the ARC. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And by I mean, the way, so, sorry to interrupt, Aaron. Um, correction. Yeah, um, Ben, it is 21. He turned 21 in March. Uh, so I'm sorry. He is 21. So the other thing I thought was funny for me was specifically Saul Wuching being selected as a loose forward when, like, he's never played flanker or eight. I mean, he's played as a wing. Or center. And, or center. And based on his skill set from football, being a free safety, it, it really lends more to the backfield, the back line, than it does to being a loose. Like, if you have this massive, rangy, physical fullback or another massive, rangy, physical wing to go opposite playing Scully, it just – I mean, we're missing another, like, a, a first-choice, you know, other like, wing. That's what we need to develop. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of weird. And the funny thing is that he played, apparently, center, the, you know, he played um, flanker the first time and apparently got a man of the match. Really? <laughs> that's when, what was that, when was that? I don't, I don't know. That's what he said on his Twitter. He said, huh. um, but I think he said something along the lines of uh, play flanker for the first time got a man of the match i think this is a sign something like that I think oh, I, did, I didn't look i mean no like did they switch up their listing because he was still listed at 13 for this last match they played i don't know that's what he said i played flanker for the first time like he got a man of the match right, whatever yeah, do what you're gonna yeah. do yeah yeah good for him now i'm happy to see washing in that in that select side and also as uh, zach pagillina uh, pagillina can never get his his angelina Pangelinian, thank you. I don't deal with a lot of people from Guam, so I don't know how you pronounce those Guam, Guamanian last names. But yeah, Pangelinian, Pangelinian, whatever. Like Spanish? And, oh. uh, mo- yeah, mo- most, of, most of them do have Spanish uh, last names because one used to be a former Spanish colony, but Pangelinian is definitely not uh, Spanish. If anything, that's probably Filipino because the Philippines are like right there by Guam anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, happy to see the two of them. Uh, also, Again, uh, Robin the Haas, Ren the Haas, excuse me, also happy to see him in that roster as well. And if you guys uh, do want some stuff after the show, on Tuesday nights, Victor hosts a geography podcast. So be sure to tune in for that. <laughs> oh, dude, that's a wow. Corey, you just gave me a great idea. I may, I may start doing that, actually. Like, Victor, which we just randomly talk about place on the map. Not a bad idea. Just give me a great idea. Thank you. I write this down. <laughs> so um so bob got it he's he's he, i guess we've got a rugby utah correspondent because they're responding to his emails as well as ours and he got a bunch of answers and victor selected a few to talk about tonight yeah guys it's gonna be a long one so get ready so first Bob asked about having games on Sundays in a state where most of the population has the same religion that advises not to have activities on that day. That religion, by the way, being the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormon Church or the LDS yeah, Church. I mean, they're, they're a sect of Christianity that doesn't mm-hmm. do anything on Sundays. 
Yeah, well, there we go. That's right. But in any case, Robert Utah answer that the schedule has not been finalized, uh, finalized for any team. And the organization is aware of the Sunday situation and that MLR wants all teams to succeed. So they are going to be working with each individual team to achieve their goals. So that's one. There was the question of what has happened with the open application Rugby Utah put for coaches and staff a couple of months ago. Now, the search is going really well and are expected to announce their findings soon. Most of the existing staff from the amateur side will transition into the professional side, but the coach and DOR, director of rugby positions, will evolve uh, with said transition. Yeah, so, so they haven't – the information I had from three days ago was both Seawolves and Utah Warriors have yet to hire a coach. And, I mean, there was someone on Reddit that was says, hey, it's going to be a Kiwi for Utah. And I'm like, sure, but um, don't know who it is because it hasn't been done yet. Yeah, Seawolves have not hired a coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, have yeah some, they have uh, some targets, so to speak, but uh, they've not hired anybody. And also you were mentioning that they may have an Irishman for, for the Seawolves. Yeah, that's – I mean, I figure because Adrian Balfour is an Ulsterman, so it sort of makes sense. Yeah, might as well have someone – there from from Ulster Province. So again, guys, that was the second one. Now the third one. Ruby Utah is still. Oh, let me see. Still. Oh no, yeah, this one. Ruby Utah is still finalizing the roster, which is going to have internationals, but they do not know of the amount yet. It was confirmed that most of the roster is going to be from the state of Utah, saying, and I quote. We have the most talented rugby players in the country, and the Utah MLR side will reflect that. Now, I do agree with that. Utah definitely does have really good rugby players. Yeah, I don't think anybody's arguing with that. I don't know <laughs> if they're, they're the best in the country, but uh, I don't know. California and Texas seems to be have some real talent in it too. But I mean, yeah, collegiate-wise, they put out they have two of the top. I mean, college programs in the nation. So I mean, there's nothing to there's nothing really to argue about there. Okay, so that was the third one. Now, the fourth one. A question was raised regarding the relationship with Real Salt Lake of MLS Major League Soccer. Since some of the staff of uh, some of the staff at Ruby Utah are some uh, some of them worked at RSL and their alumni, and the Utah franchise may play in a field uh, at the new RSL facility out of Harriman, Utah. Now, it was confirmed by Ruby Utah that several meetings have occurred between both organizations and that they are exploring uh, relationships at different levels, but can comment on a specific on a specifics at, at the time when they wrote uh, the answer. Now, finally, there were other questions asked, uh, which you can read, obviously, on the Reddit thread. But we're going to just end with a question regarding rebranding the the team, uh, the team like Austin Elite and Seattle Seawolves did. Now, the answer was change is coming. And Rugby Utah posted on social media an image of a logo uh, with the date of today, September 25th. And it has been unveiled that the Rugby Utah selects are indeed going to be called the Warriors, as we mentioned uh, previously. Now, the website is warriorsrugby.com. And the team logo and jersey design are beautiful, by the way, in my opinion. So overall, Ruby Utah has thrown very juicy details at this week's podcast. So the floor is yours, everyone. So, um, well, we we called that one. Um, Yay. Uh, But uh, I know for a fact that they have at least one 
uh, foreign player coming in. So I'm going to guess that they have at least three or four more others coming in as well that they've recruited and signed. They're just, um, they're just not announcing them yet. Uh, if you haven't checked out their photo shoot video on Twitter, go check it out. It's uh, at the Bonneville Salt Flats. It's pretty dope. Yeah. I was just going to say, just uh, as a random opinion, I think uh, their kits are kit some serious rear end. I mean, wow. The, the design of those things, it's nice. It's really, really nice. Might have to be an investment in my future. <laughs> so... What do you what do you think about that, Brian? I think uh, Utah looks great. Sorry, I just got an email from Carl saying he'll get back to. That's Carl Harrelson of uh, North Star Rugby saying he'll get back to me in 24 hours. So I'll show nice. some Very new nice. information when I post that article for you guys on Wednesday, um, or when I get it written. <laughs> uh, yeah, Utah kit looks great. I mean, we all knew they were going to be called the Warriors. That's no surprise. Uh, you know, you can't really say anything about the quality of their, their rugby. They're going to have the heavy Polynesian influence. They've got some some really uh, talent. It's interesting, the guys actually that got named to the uh, the APC squad, Jackson Kaka and uh, Josh Whippy. Um, am I missing? I think it's just those two. Jensen uh, was a Utah selector. Oh, sorry, Matt Jensen as well. You're right. He'll. I'm certain he'll be with the squad as well. So, you know, they're going to have some, some good – I mean, if you look at – Cullen and Jensen likely in a second row, or even if Cullen plays it, they're going to have a strong side, strong bones of the, of the side. Anyways, Don Patty, I think he was in the picture on the uh, the website, wasn't he? Um, so I mean, he's just he's another quality player. Uh, yeah, yeah, U- Utah looks great. Um, the Sunday thing is interesting. Uh, I, I think in general, personally, I'm not a fan of Sunday rugby anytime <laughs> it's just my feelings i'd much rather see friday night rugby than than sunday rugby um so you know i'm sure they'll they'll do their best to keep uh, them out of the I, I one thing i will say interesting with this what do you guys think about the name so uh, them calling themselves utah as opposed to salt lake city uh i mean it's it's normal with what you got there other than real salt lake um because the utah jazz i mean it's more right. It's more akin to what is with the cultural identity of like of the state. They're very if you go there, they're very Utah. Like people are all about Utah, except for when it's you know college football season. Then it's a the like the holy war. (laughs) I find it interesting. I guess one of the criticisms that came out with the Ontario Arrows name was that they were calling themselves Air or Ontario rather than. Toronto, even though uh, geographically they can't really call themselves Toronto yet because they don't have a home field uh, latched in yet. So, I mean, they it could who knows? They could end up playing Hamilton or something like that. So it would be silly to call themselves Toronto if they're playing in Hamilton. But uh, and, I, and I can see the argument where, personally, if you look at the other teams, they're all you know from a city, right? And personally, from a, a sporting franchise, I prefer to see them called uh, with named with a city rather than a state because they're not a state team. It'd be like Vancouver calling themselves the, the British Columbia team when they're not the British Columbia team. They're the, the Vancouver team. And with Ontario, I, you know, I can see where they're coming from. They want to keep their brand going. They've been going as the Ontario Blues. But 
I don't know. And I'm certain from what they're saying that they'll probably keep that. But personally, I would rather see them go with uh, where the city's from. So in the Utah's case, I was kind of wondering if they would go for Salt Lake City Warriors, even though, you know, Utah Warriors is pretty catchy and, you know, it's got history behind it and all that. So I can kind of see both ways. Um, but, yeah, I just find it interesting. It was kind of like with uh, with Pro, we saw uh, the Ohio Aviators rather than, say, the Obets Aviators or Columbus when everything else was, you know, San Diego, San Francisco, Sacramento, yeah. Glendale, you know. And there's the thing. Glendale, why not call them the Denver team, you know? <laughs> well, I but, mean, um, Glen- Glendale is like – that's – I mean, that's their thing. I mean, yeah. so. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not a big deal. We're just having – the conversation. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Now, let me go on that. Uh, that you mentioned that, Brian, regarding uh, them adopting their state name instead of the city name. I'll give you an example. In Canada, what about the British Columbia Lions out of Canadian Football League? Football? Who cares about football? <laughs> <laughs> I don't follow Canadian football, but I do know they go by the BC Lions. No, you're right. Yeah. No, I, I, Point taken, point taken. But so, I, mean, I don't watch the CFL anymore, so I can't vouch for them. So there there exists a precedence. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because it should really be called the Vancouver Lions, but hey. All right. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Send them a complaint. Will do. <laughs> and and Wednesday, on... Wednesday, night is, uh, Vic, Wednesday nights are Victor's uh, Canadian Football League uh, show. <laughs> I don't know. What have I do to jerk everyone? <laughs> that's Thursday. So that's Tuesday night. Oh, Tuesdays. Oh, Tuesdays. Oh, Tuesdays. So, <laughs> so, and on to player signings. What do we got, Vic? Well, so just a few hours ago, and we were talking a little bit about it, of course, just now. America's Rugby News, of course, Brian's website, like we mentioned, uh, unveiled the signing of the Canadian International, one of my favorites, too. Uh, a point, point of fact, point of fact, I pointed yes. this out to Aaron earlier. It wasn't actually us that unveiled it. It was Rugby Canada press release. We weren't uh, putting it out, but it, they put it in their press release, so we had to come out with it, obviously. Okay, of course. So kudos to Rugby Canada. I was like, how dare you? And he's like, hey, it says it right here. Look. <laughs> well, in any case, Rugby Canada on bail, which uh, ARN put uh, the unveil, again, the unveiling of loose head prop, uh, Huber uh, Bidens, who just to play, by the way, for the San Diego Breakers, for those of you that remember. Um, Brian, of course, as a Canadian yourself, it's only fair that you take it uh, from here. So please tell us about Mr. Bidens. Well, surely most people are aware of Mr. Bidens by now. He's won 43 caps. Captain Canada, he's been around for ages. He's been to two World Cups. I mean, he's uh, let's be honest. He's coming back from a major knee, uh, major knee surgery. He had an ACL reconstruction. Um, he hadn't really played from that injury, which was with the San Diego Breakers, by the way, at the end of the pro season. He hadn't played until the uh, Canadian Rugby Championships, which was what a month or you know, a couple a couple months ago. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, so this is kind of his reintroduction to international rugby. Um, he's 35 now. It's a little bit long in the tooth, but he's a front row guy. So hopefully he's got a little life left in him. Um, and, and either way, I mean, I'm sure he'll be able to, to contribute at that, at that level, whether he's not quite at his best where he used to be anymore or not, uh, to pick up a guy with that kind of experience, I wouldn't be surprised even if he's, uh, in, in some kind of, a 
like a, a player coaching role, helping with the forwards, that kind of thing as well. To have someone with that that vast experience, New Orleans is going to have nobody else on the roster with that kind of experience. So I think it's a great signing for them. There we go. And hopefully if they sign Ray Barkwell, they could have them right there back-to-back. Yeah, there you go. That would be really cool. So, yeah, so that's, that's – so, again, that's one signing, guys. Um, next up, after that, um, and by the way, I don't know what happened this week, but Nola Goal was, like, on a roll. So that's one player. The second, Reddit user Kuhuk, I believe – or Kuhuk, I believe his, his um, username is pronounced. Uh, thank you, by the way, for the posting, bro. And if I mispronounce your username, I'm sorry. Um, he posted that it was announced on Saturday, September the 16th, uh, at the Metropolis uh, Rugby Football Club match against the Cincinnati Wolfhounds, uh, which, by the way, Metropolis won 54-10, that a guy named Derek Diesel Van Klein had signed with NOLA as well. Now, Diesel plays soccer, speaking of the hooker position with Ray Backwell. And uh, I think, are you sure about that? That's because I remember he was in the Aviators, and I thought I saw him as well, a He's a prop, so I, he might have played all across the front row, but he's mostly a prop. He played in the CDI league here in bc i think it was with james bay for a bit and then mm-hmm. he came down and he was a reserve prop with the aviators when they they had some front row problems well thank you so thank you for the correction so not hooker prop and yes that's true i don't i do know that he played out of james bay out of the bc uh, premiership and of course he played uh, for the aviators now it was confirmed that head coach um nate Oxford from for nola gold was in attendance uh, so it's good to know that even in minnesota does not play in mlr Many players from the state of Minnesota will go to San Diego, if not to New Orleans. So, yeah, not to shabby. And then we've got another one. So, um, the last one tonight, unless, you know, I check Reddit in a minute and there's another signing. We've got Testimony Tangawia, goes by Moni, has also signed with Nola Gold Rugby. He's hailing from good old Oakland, California. He's a, he's a Tongan descent. Currently, he's a, he's a very physical center from Life West Rugby. Uh, you know, big guy. Like, when they, when they beat the Austin Blacks last May, well, no, in May 2016, uh, in, the play, in the national playoff, that was, like, huge. Then previous to joining Life West, he also played, you know, his rugby with the Oakland Warthogs, uh, the Santa Barbara Rugby Academy while he was at Santa Barbara Community College. And then he also played with an overseas club before that. And then as well as the Diablo Gales out of Orinda, California, up in the East Bay. Uh, if you follow the Islanders versus Saracens, he was a reserve wearing number 22 and in the match, uh, he's 6'2", 215, so he's a big boy. Um, selected back of the year for the season that he was with the Santa Barbara Rugby Academy. And, you know, when I asked our, our boys up in the Bay, Derek Sagehorn from This Is American Rugby, he goes, the Life West prop? So apparently uh, Moni has also played prop a few times. So, take that for what you will. Okay, go right ahead, guys. Uh, start talking. Corey, Brian, go ahead, guys. 
I have no thoughts on this subject. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he hasn't played prop before. I think. I think. I, 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 I don't know. Derek was like the live West prop question mark. No, but I mean, I'm just talking about in general the three, the three signings, the three peat, if you want to call it that, uh, of well, Norgo. It's probably been a little uh, quiet, maybe in the past. Uh, Week, I mean, well, three signings. I guess before that, Sebastian Kahn was a couple weeks ago now, I guess. Um, I think we'll see it heating up now. I mean, we're into – we've been saying kind of for a while, oh, you know, it'll be soon, it'll be soon. But now, I mean, we're almost in October, right? So uh, – and, and and teams are going to start coming together. We Obviously, we've seen Houston, and they're doing a really impressive uh, social media um, push right now, showing all their, their players in training. They've been through orientation week and all that. So – I, I think we'll start to hear signings. Certainly now that uh, Curry is in place with the Seawolves, uh, that'll start to, to be uh, – their whole plan will be put in motion a lot quicker now, so we'll start to see signings in the next couple weeks, I would think. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Austin Huns have said they're going to announce their first real sign. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, I think we can all assume we know a bunch of the players from the Huns are going to jump over there. Um, so – I don't know. Any guesses who this first official signing is going to be? Is it going to be something lame like Todd Clever or something? Uh, well, so um, Austin Elite Rugby has confirmed that uh, Todd Clever has retired from being a professional play. And has tra- they said this on Twitter. I was like, what? So really? Todd, Todd's transitioned to his owner role. And now I would say he's on his Celebrity Tens career going down to, you know, South Africa and then just recently Aspen Rugger Fest. Uh, so that's interesting. So he's just going <laughs> to okay. – I, I, I'm very surprised at that. But, um, you know, life happens. But, um, I mean, I know that Spike Davis has been seen in and around Dallas, Texas. And I would like to see him picked up because he needs to play. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, I mean, it looked like someone with uh, not a whole lot of melanin in their skin and some blonde hair. I, that's based on a black and white photo. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as far as like these three signings, it's just interesting because you go back to, I guess, the first signing that was on a press release by like – the rugby players agency, which is a, a player agency out of Colorado. Um, the, I guess the first signing for NOLA, like they're they're The announcements are very disjointed. It's not like with the strikers where it was coming directly from the strikers, except for Kieran farmer um, who had, you know, a bunch of like 17 year old friends that he told and they all broke it on Twitter. Um, so that's, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's whatever. We saw what the strikers did, and it doesn't. We don't have to do. Not everyone has to do what the strikers do, but just criticism. So, um, Corey, you found an article in Yahoo with Ryan Fitzgerald. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the article uh, more or less focused actually on um, an NFL player. Here, I should probably pull this up so I can talk about it. A uh, Raven, uh, Baltimore Ravens player, um, Jer- Jermaine uh, L. Muner. Illuminor. 
Illuminor, thank you, um, and talking about his transition from uh, rugby over to football. But then they also interviewed um, Ryan from NOLA about uh, his duties. He is actually a has done some scouting uh, for the NFL and, but then he also of course is coaching down at NOLA, NOLA gold. So it's just an interesting, say what? Just the GM. Oh, he's general manager. Okay. Thank you. Um, so it's just the idea of, uh, transitioning back and forth between the two sports. And I think a lot's been made about one of America, one of, uh, the U S S strengths is, you know, having a, a lot of people who know how to play football and possibly being able to leverage that into uh, creating rugby players or uh, preferably uh, get people involved in rugby instead of football uh, at an early age. So I think that's kind of what I wanted to touch on for just uh, just a minute and kind of get your thoughts on that whole process, um, you know, converting players and then also you know, kind of what we can learn. Uh, there was a few news tidbits, as I recall, from that article as well. Yeah, so in there, you know, uh, Ryan Fitzgerald, he's a, you know, he's an NFL scout for the Senior Bowl and uh, now is also the GM for a rugby franchise, which is pretty awesome. So he knows how to, like, assess talent from his scouting role. And, uh, you know, they're talking about having 10 guys in, like, an academy setting basically playing, you know, on a practice squad type role coming in, just bringing in pure athletes from other sports to learn. And which is, which is going to be great. Cause I think some of those guys, it's all like, so Jared Hain crossover from rugby league and made the 40, 53 man roster for the 49ers for about half the year and then finished the season on the practice squad and, you know, still had the camp invite to return, but uh, he chose to try and make the Fiji seven squad for the Olympics. And well, I mean, he still could have returned to the 49ers after that, but he chose not to and went back to the NRL for one of the top contracts in the NRL like right away, which was still less than his rookie deal with the 49ers. So you don't have, you don't have a lot of NFL guys shifting to rugby, but you know, our, our current Eagle side has more than a few former football players, notably uh, uh, mighty Joe Tafate. Um, you know, he started playing, I want to say he started playing rugby when he was about 20 um, after, you know, Division One football didn't pan out. Um, and his girlfriend's family was all playing rugby and they converted him. And now he's, you know, uh, like a first choice hooker. We're like, got so many hookers in our program right now. And then you have Ben Landry for two, for like a year and a half, really trying to make it as a football player. Uh, he was in the Seahawks camp uh the first year and then the bears uh signed him in the spring this last year and then you know hung up the cleats in may and came back to playing for the eagles so two most successful guys when it comes to really uh i would say rugby to football are Jermaine illuminor and then nate ebner but at this point you don't really call them crossovers because they made the crossover a long time ago. Um, but the NFL is also recruiting athletes through their international player pathway, which Victor will talk about. 
Yeah, guys, but before I go into that, uh, I just want to mention regarding Jerry Kane. When he went back to National Rugby League, NRL, he originally was with Parma Eels. He turned down that contract, which apparently was one of the biggest in NRL history to go to the 49ers. Now, when he went back to Australia, he signed for the Gold Coast Titans, which is one of the worst teams in NRL. Out of 16 teams in the league, they ended up 15 this season, so horrible. By the way, can't wait for the grand final. Um, it's going to be Melville Storm against Nor- my, my boys, no Queensland Cowboys, speaking of which. <laughs> I just, just want to bring that up real quick. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I like my 15s, but I also like my 13s, guys. You know, I, I don't like, care if it's Union League, if it's Rugby and cool. By the way, guys, real quick, I just noticed Instagram, follow us, Instagram, April Dirt. Um, Sebastian Calm, just like our post, he's probably ah. watching this. If, if, if we're watching this, Sebastian, que bueno que estás aquí, hermano. So I don't know if he's watching this, but hopefully he is. He liked our post regarding today's broadcast. I just want to brought that up. Uh, Sebastian Calm, there's, if you're listening, there's still time. Turn your back on American rugby. Play for Chile. No, <laughs> no, Sebastian, por favor. We need more Hispanics in, in the rugby team. Because how do you, you want to bring the Hispanics? We're not, we're not Hispanics on the team. Same thing with soccer. Seriously. Anyway, so going back to my, my piece. So, and we're talking about uh, NFL just now. Adams Zaruba for example, was signed by the Philadelphia Eagles, did not make the practice squad, had to go back to rugby to Canada, which I'm happy anyway, because I freaking love them in the seventh squad. So I'm really happy for that. I don't think he's back there quite yet, but uh, he might be here. Okay, well, there we go. I know they have a spot open for him, but I don't think he's uh, reported for any practices or anything yet. Uh, I think he's still kind of deciding whether he's going to chase, whether he's going to do the Ben Landry thing and chase a contract or uh, recommit. But uh, to my knowledge, anyways, he isn't back training with the side just yet. Mm-hmm. I hope he is. I hope he does soon. So do, so do I. Now, going back with that, that says a lot because of the international player pathway. It creates an, an exception to a certain extent. Now, in that same respect, Alex Gray, who used to play, by the way, for the England's the seventh squad, he's still with Atlanta. So I guess it's doing a lot better than, than Adam did. Now we're going to see more and more players jumping from code to code, as in from uh, American football to rugby football and back. At least that's my expectation. Now, whether all of them are going to be successful, obviously I do not know. I'm just guessing up to this point. I, I mean, here's the reality. Being being a football player, and, you know, you know, Ray and I will talk about playbooks, you know, here and there. But there is a massive difference, even though the – the balls are both egg-shaped. There's just a massive difference between rugby and football. Um, it takes, you know, just like it takes years to get good at rugby, it takes years to get good at football, even when you've got an elite mind and an elite body. So, I mean, you've got two complicated sports that are just different, but they have a ball that's shaped similar. So, mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, Brian, what do you what do you think? I mean, you've got some you've got three down football north of uh, north of the border. So, I mean, how many guys have made that transition up there? None. <laughs> well, that said, that says a lot, right? We had we had uh, Jordan Wilson or us, who's the uh, outside back for the Ontario Blues, and out with James Bay. He went and he got a trial. He was a very good collegiate football player. He went and got a trial. Uh, I think it was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Didn't quite make it. 
Um, not really a big surprise. Uh, we had one of the Rough Riders, uh, one of the Rough Riders, come over and play for the Sevens. Uh, for the life of me, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. And he just he went down. And he actually dressed for um, was it Tavon Campbell? What was his name? Uh, doesn't matter. It's on a board. Uh, so he went out and he went and uh, it was just obviously he's a great athlete, but he's going the other way, right? I mean, you, you have to look at this in terms of athletics, really. The guys who are playing pro football in uh, in the NFL and probably even CFL, the athletes are superior to what we've got in North America and rugby. I mean, I don't think there's any real argument there the other way. Um, you, you get a guy like Zaruba, okay, but Zaruba is a sevens guy. And sevens te- guy, sevens players. You can look at say Perry Baker. Those ath- those guys tend to be a little bit better athletes. Um, where the 15s is a little bit more of a technical game, so there's less room for that. You need more of the of the specialist kind of players. You know, you'll get a freak guy in the wing like a Jonah Lamu back in the day. Um, but, you know, it, you, you just don't, in general, find the same kind of guys who are – I mean, even the running backs are huge in the NFL, right? I mean, you're not going to get in there if you're unless you're 230, 240 pounds. And if you're, you know, that big and that fast – Chances are you've already been scouted by somebody in the NFL. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't see a lot of crossover, to be honest. I, I, I see more coming the other way from football to rugby and the guys who who don't quite make it to the NFL. And and to be honest, I think those are the guys who should be targeted by uh, by rugby scouts to come over and play. I think they'd be a great fit in, in Major League. I think we've seen a couple of them, uh, not necessarily NFL talents, but couple of the guys signed up for the uh, the Houston Strikers already outside in the outside backs. Yeah, like we what was it um Fat Hill Jr. Right. Um and then there I forget I, I'm going to Was Malachi Esdale uh he, yeah. he was a pretty good football Ma- Malachi player. Malachi Esdale and like he played for Sam Houston State. So I mean, we've got some But he also I, played he's also played a lot of rugby. So, okay, I wasn't sure on his rugby. Or a guy like uh, I know Naji Bassoon was spotted playing some uh, some rugby in the summer, was yeah. he not? So he so Naji Bassoon. Interesting thing about him: first game of the season, right? Uh, I don't know how they handled it, but uh, <laughs> Oklahoma OU's rugby game scored a try on Friday night, and then suited up for OU's football game the next day and had like three carries. So um, there's that. <laughs> but, That's uh, right. He did it. But he did it. Yeah, I, I mean, he did it. Um, so there's there's a few guys out there. I mean, like you you're on you know a top division one team and you're able to play rugby. You've got the fitness. Like you've got the fitness. Now it's just working on. Well, the other obvious uh, the other obvious major difference is the money i mean there's no comparison right uh unless you're in some big huge european contract you know working for Bujalal and toulon or one of these huge clubs you're not making anywhere close to the same money that these guys even on a practice roster in the nfl are making so the uh, the financial rewards for pursuing football are far greater however the chances of actually making it are smaller right so it's um you know it's a decision that these guys have to make. And by the way, Brian, um, that guy you were trying to remember from the Rough Riders uh, that was trying out for the sevens, Tavon Campbell. Right. Yeah. So I was right. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's a guy who was he he's uh, and he's just playing in the CFL. He's not even playing in the NFL, but he's got tremendous speed. And an athlete like that would be a game breaker for Canada if we could get him to stick around. But again, he's he's on a full time CFL contract. So why is he going to give that up to make you know what is basically peanuts playing for the Canadian sevens team? I mean, it's nice he gets to travel around Hong Kong and so on, but uh, you know <laughs> he's really taking a massive pay cut to do so. And and these What's guys. The- are- What's the stipend for Canadian sevens players? Like sevens guys? Yeah. Well, last year, uh, before they had a contract renewal, I think they were on something like $1,500 a month, which is nothing. <laughs> I mean, you can't that's, survive. That's, that's, I mean, that's less than our guys. I don't know what it's right. like to live exactly. at Langford, but $2,800 a month in San Diego is, is not a lot. Oh, like I, you're, I, you're scraping, even with a dorm, even living on site with your, you know, if you if you're living at the dorms at the training center, even with that covered, just living there is expensive. Oh yeah, I mean it's crazy. I think maybe a couple of the senior guys might have been getting a little more, but I mean there's a reason why those guys were basically on strike before last season was because of that. They're not making any money, and you know here's Rugby Canada. They put on this event, this hugely successful event in Vancouver, the new sevens there, and. Um, you know, where's that money going? And and rightfully so for them to question say, hey, we're the players, we're the guys sacrificing. Why aren't we seeing some of this, uh, you know, in our pockets when, you know, w- you know, we're, we're, we're sacrificing everything and, and we're getting nothing in return. So, um, yeah, there's you, you, you do not play rugby to make money yet in North America. Uh, I think that's just a fact. I completely agree with that. Okay, guys, moving on with the, with the show. So, what do we got? Um, yeah, so uh, we'll uh, cut out Darren Morris. Congratulations, man. Um, I mean, you're, you're the director of rugby for an amateur organization, and we're an MLR podcast. Love you much. Uh, I wish you were hired for the Eagles. But, so, we talked. Mike Ford being on the ground already and doing whatever. But... And the, the next one is Austin Elite do not have autumn fixtures per the AER Twitter. And then uh, they've got a secret unveiling this week. Um, as far as my take, um, they, they've got a massive construction project going down on Nixon Lane, which I will get a chance to look at in October. So I think they're really focused on just rounding out their roster and building the stadium. No. What do you think? Brian. Brian. Time to weigh. Is it or Corey? Time to weigh. Canadian. What, what do I think about, about Austin's fall schedule? Is yeah. That yeah. What do you think of a lack of a fall schedule? Well, I mean, these guys are building. I mean, does the Houston Strikers have anything on top right now? I don't think they do. I mean, no. I mean, I guess it's different. You can look at Glendale and say, well, they've got you know, some games they've just played the other day. But, I mean, who are they playing? They're playing Mystic River. They're winning by, what, 60 points, something like that. Some, yeah. I mean, these are essentially just warm-up preseason games, right? So I don't think it's – I don't think it's really – we should be expecting any of these teams to be playing anybody in the fall until, you know, until January, really. I don't think we can expect to see next to anything. And I don't think it's a problem, to be honest. These guys have got to do their preseason training. Uh, most of these teams are still – being pieced together. I mean, they don't even have their full complement of players. Some of these guys who know, I mean, how many players does, uh, does New Orleans actually have right now? You know, as far as we know, like 
maybe time, <laughs> you know, exactly. Right. So, you know, uh, they might have more that obviously they have more that, uh, on the way that they haven't told us, but they don't have full squads yet. They got to train together. They have infrastructure to build. Um, yeah. I, I don't expect to see any, any games we get uh, from now until January, I think are a bonus, which is why I thought that Ontario Glendale game was a bit of a surprise um, to have that early, but I mean, there was a reason for that, but uh, yeah. So, it doesn't bother me at all that Austin doesn't have anything lined up. Cool. Corey. Yeah, just kind of echoing, uh, echoing what everybody else said. I think uh, as as far as the teams go, I think we're going to see some more announcements and maybe we'll get something uh, resembling a preseason uh, going. But really, uh, right now, it's just kind of a run for – uh, the regular season next spring. So they've got a lot, a lot of teams have a lot of work to do between, you know, really in the next four months, which isn't a lot of time when you're trying to build a professional organization. So yeah, uh, some who are a little bit further ahead um, have the opportunity to do some of these um, matches early. And obviously um, when you're dealing with Saracens or you're dealing with uh, AER or you're dealing uh, with Glendale, these are established clubs that literally the half the team is playing on the club side and they're just going to transition them straight to the pro side. So, you know, strikers, I think, are the most impressive out of this bunch just because they're the ones that are have built it from scratch and they're going to be doing some of these uh, special events coming up here in the next few months. So that's really that's really cool. Um, that's about all I got to say about that. But um, unless anybody has anything else to add, I think, yes. Yeah, I'll I'll jump in real quick, guys, because I know we had to move the show along. You got you got the tweet of the week. Let's just get to it. Uh, what? Let me just make sure this. Thing, I just got to make sure this thing's real quick, guys. Just to, and then I'm gonna jump into, into the tweet. Okay, so. Because we mentioned before about about my forts is to stick around Dallas. Um, I guess it's good uh, that he's getting paid, quote unquote. I guess like with stocks of, of the Griffins, because that way, obviously, that, that way he can uh, he can stay. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, he's gonna do something else in the meantime uh, to keep himself busy. Now, as for Austin, now the players that that they, like they have in the hunts, obviously, they can remain there until they get things finished with the AER and then they can successfully transition into the 2018 season. So I guess not having games is it's okay because I'm mean, going to start playing uh, next year anyway. And plus you got the guys in the hunts, most of the team. So they can play for the hunts. Now, in regards to the new signing that apparently going to unveil, which I really wanted to do it today so we could talk about it. Um, I really do really hope it's Spike Davis, because, I mean, again, like we mentioned before, Aaron Spike Davis, not Aaron, so that way he can get back to the beautiful state of Texans. And hopefully, a couple of years uh, later, he can go and transition to a team in Obex, Ohio, so he can go back to the Fortress. So, of course, my figures, that happens. But, but yeah. He, he's from, like, Texas, man. I know he is, but he, you know, I know him from from the Aviators. I really want him back to Ohio. I definitely want him back to the Fortress. All right, well, let's let's talk about this thing you found. Yes. So, guys, let's go to the 
Tweet or Twig of the Week. Uh, I really like Twig of the Week. I'm probably going to get a name in this SS Twig. So, no, the, twit, then, the Twit is a person on the podcast that gets nominated for being the biggest dick. Oh, okay. There on we go. Twitter. Mm, I think it's going to be Dan this week. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah, it's going to be Dan because he didn't show up. Hey, it's okay. So, one of, some of us have to go and watch the Mets lose. But it's what it is. So anyway, since Stan is obviously not here, I'll take over the reins of the segment. Now, today's uh, Twitter of the Week comes from a gentleman named, uh, I believe his name is pronounced uh, Kasim or Kwasim Rashid. Um, comes from his Twitter account. And this was retweeted by uh, Tier 2 and 3 Rugby, which is, by the way, a really good website. I recommend it, uh, tier2rugby.com. Now, the tweet, the, the tweet says, and I quote, Dads can barely hold kids when merely watching sports. Iranian mom holds her baby while coaching her rugby team. Face bump emoji, fire emoji. And then it's followed by a video of said coach with her team around her. All of the players and the coach are wearing hijabs, which is already badass in itself, in such a religious country like Iran, on top of obviously being rugby players. And by the way, a salute to all Muslim women in rugby, especially those that wear hijabs while playing, trying to keep it modest, modest but obviously you, you, you don't want to lose that that physicality out of, out of the game. So I find it. To be really cool, by the way, that not only that the fact that this Iran plays rugby, which I do, I know they do, but I didn't know the woman did, and let alone them playing with hijabs. So that's really cool. So again, guys, your thoughts? Um, I mean, she's momming and coaching at the same time, so that's pretty impressive. And she brought the the baby with with her to the team, and they help and they were helping her out with the baby too. On top of that, that's funny. So Brian, Corey, go ahead, guys. What do you say about that? I think that's awesome. Uh, about the only thing I'd say about that is, I think it's time for questions from Bob. Boom. Boom. Poor Brian. You didn't even let him answer. <laughs> I got nothing to say on that one. Okay, beautiful. So questions from Bob. Let's go. <laughs> Moving it along. Okay, questions from Bob this week. First up, Bob wants to know, uh, that again is Bob Boberson from uh, – reddit.com slash r slash ml rugby if you hadn't heard yeah i heard bob his know. name isn't actually bob yeah it's yeah we, we've heard that too <laughs> <laughs> i think it's robert <laughs> uh he, he this week his question is who will have the best tailgating scene in mlr and so, I know this one kind of sparked some conversations offline. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? So I'm going to go with Houston or New Orleans. And for both, there's going to be just plenty of barbecue and plenty of Cajun food. So you're going you're gonna to leave well marbled from them. Now, just to go on a different tangent, I'll go with, with Austin. Now, I have been told by someone that um, the Denver's food of choice is mountain oysters, but I'm not sure how big the tailgate scene is in Colorado as opposed to Texas. That is famous for those. So I'll go to Austin. I mean, the tailgate scene in Colorado is probably just as much about anything when it comes to, like, football. But, I mean, there's the only quintessential cuisine from Colorado is, like, Rocky Mountain oysters. So <laughs> I feel like most of the tailgating in uh, Colorado would be munchy based. 
Just I let that one sit there. I, I really struggle to see how one of the Texas teams isn't winning this by a landslide, to be honest. And uh, where's Grant in Austin? Uh, Houston. Houston. Sorry, yeah, Houston, my mistake. Uh, I mean, come on. <laughs> Grant himself would be putting on the biggest party, I would think. <laughs> I think Grant makes uh, – Grant's probably going to – Feed me some chili when I go down to Houston in October, and I'm probably gonna. It's probably gonna taste great. It's probably gonna kill me at the same time. That would be amazing, though. I'd take a bowl of Grant chili anytime. All right, so moving on. Uh, Samo three is curious. Where will San Diego be playing? And, and he suggests this uh, possibly the Torero Stadium. Uh, I mean, is there like any other, I mean, that's the most suitable location, maybe a high school stadium locally, uh, until this NASL stadium gets built. I don't, I don't know where else they would play. Yeah. I don't see any other place, but, but Torero. Yeah, that seems to be the answer Torero or, uh, you know, if they could throw up something quickly. Um, but yeah, there's what, no, there's nowhere else really. Well, there's, I mean, you ain't throwing up anything quickly in California, like codes and permits. and. So, Samo, it sounds like you answered your own question, my friend. But thanks for asking it anyway. <laughs> We're going to steal one actually from um, Grant's uh, Facebook page over at This is Texas Rugby. So Chris Howard asks, will MLR players be released to play in the Club 7s? So... My my answer and is this is like why they're they're professional players and the intent is to do this right from the day one. Uh, Pro released their players to the clubs because Doug had no plan for an off season program and the amateur clubs were going to be used to keep his players in shape. Whereas the MLR's intent is to maintain its professional structure. I could see teams like maybe Utah, Glendale, and Seattle. Uh, the bulk of their sevens teams being made up from MLR players, but uh, not really Houston, maybe, um, maybe Austin. But uh, I, I mean, if done, eventually I'd like to not really see them released, but I'd like to see a MLR sevens tournament weekend, much like they have in the premiership. I completely agree with that, dude. I would definitely love to see that as well. Now, I would assume that teams will be released for the amateur sites where those players came from. But again, like you said, Aaron, those players are now professional. I mean, why would you release them? Now, of course, unless MLR teams compete in the tournament and then things obviously go well anyway. I, uh, yeah, I can't see why they would do that. Um, I think if they're going to release players, it'll be a player who needs game time. Otherwise, it makes no sense to me why you would be releasing them. Especially, I mean, sevens. What? Okay, you guys like the club sevens. Why do these clubs care about the club sevens? Why do these uh, the pro sides care about it? I, if I was in their shoes, there's no way I would be releasing a player for that if I'm paying the money to prepare for my club. Well, I mean, you know, club sevens is one thing, but super sevens is another. <laughs> 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 you brought it up. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, I saw that in the magazine on Twitter. Some like I don't know what magazine they put an ad in, but um, I just know that uh, it's not happening. At least the one I've seen. 
All right, guys. Well, I think that just about wraps us up for the week. Uh, once again, I want to give a big thanks to Brian Ray for joining us. He is, once again, with AmericasRugbyNews.com, and you can find him on Twitter at Ray's Rugby. So be sure to check him out, check out his stuff. Brian, thank you so much for spending the last hour and a half with us. Yeah, thanks, guys. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. I had a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, thanks for Dan for skipping out. <laughs> hey uh you're welcome to uh we'll, we'll kick him off the air anytime if you want to join us just let us know <laughs> <laughs> we'll see once i get some maybe uh another month down the line when some crazy stuff on happens uh we'll make another guest appearance that would be fantastic hey does anybody have any final uh, thoughts on our way out i mean really not so uh as they say let the boys play subscribe to our youtube channel at Earful of Dirt Fancast. Like us on Facebook at Earful of Dirt. The same on Twitter and Instagram. At our podcast, we are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM. Leave us a review. Five stars. Get a shout out at the beginning of the pod. Call us 1-720-600-2679. Leave us a voicemail. And with that said, just have a great evening. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us. 